So what exactly is mindset? You know, it's interesting as I'm sitting out here talking to you by my polar monarchy and love. So if you hear something in the background, it's the, uh, the waterfall in the pool. But what exactly is mindset? Everybody has this sort of definition or this preconceived notion that mindset tends to be something that's really difficult or something that's very elaborate and complicated. And it can be, but not necessarily in the way that we may think. You see, mindset really is nothing more than a set of beliefs. And a belief is something that you hold to be true about you or about the world or about a particular situation. In other words, if you accepted that something is true for you, that's a belief. And a mindset is all of your beliefs, all of your metaphors, your global beliefs, your rules, all of these things that you have inside your noggin as to how you see the world. And the reason that's important is because as within, so without. Your mindset will determine your behavior and your response on certain things. And then that either gives you the things you want or gives you the things you don't want. Now, there has been some research done that generally most people who have a positive outlook or optimistic view on life tend to do better than those who have negative outviews and negative outlooks and negative views on life. And I'll explain what that means here in a second. But let's talk really about what, how, so how do we break down mindset into something that we can all agree or even more importantly, look into so that we can change. Because the truth of the matter is, understanding what something is, is awesome and it's great, it's good for the mind and it's wonderful and it's super cool, right? But if you don't actually do something with that understanding, if you don't put something into practice, if you don't put something at play, then it doesn't really matter if you understand it, right? Of course, okay, cool. So how do we break mindset? Well, we can break mindset into three separate aspects. The past, the present, and the future. You know, how you feel about the past and what it does for you today, how you feel about the present and what it does for you today, and how you feel about the future and what it does for you today. It's also important to note that all of these things are related to how we feel and how we behave. And that, of course, can be a genesis of how we think. So as we look at mindset, the only reason we focus on mindset is because we want to engage in more powerful, different behaviors and disengage in less powerful, less empowering behaviors. Now, because some of these things are going to be easy to do because there are behaviors like make your bed in the morning or whatever that you can pretty much, you know, employ it anytime you want. Some of these other behaviors or some of these other emotions are going to be more difficult to deal with, right? Childhood, childhood trauma, something in the past that, you know, you think uh, you can sort of logicize your way out of it, but reality hits the amygdala quickly like this. And therefore, because it hits the amygdala, it is an uncontrollable response. And unfortunately, you can't do much about it. But we will. We'll talk about, you know, psychosensory, uh, psychosensory therapies and all that kind of fun stuff as to how we can, what it's called, depotentiate or remove those memories in the sense that we can remove the emotional connection we have to the past. So that in the present and in the future, we can engage in more empowering, positive behaviors. And what are these behaviors that we want to engage in that are more powerful and positive? Well, it depends on what your outcome is, right? It depends on what you want to do with the future. It depends on how you view the future. If you have one vision of your future, which, by the way, I think vision is much more powerful than goals to a certain extent. And I'll talk about that here shortly. And if you have this great sense of this vision, right, and somebody else has a different set of vision, your behaviors are going to be different which is why I'm not a fan of the morning routines being the same for everybody and or even sometimes having a morning routine. You know, I will personally go through 
a period where the only thing I do consistently in the morning is my Egoscu exercises. However, as I get ready to travel, we're about to take on two months and travel the world. As I get ready to travel, I stop doing Egoscu because it just isn't relevant for me at this time. I got to prep other things and focus on other things and my energy just isn't there. So if I begin to engage in that behavior forcefully, then it loses, right? It loses its impact on me. And some people call that discipline. That is not discipline. And I'll explain what discipline is at some other point. But let's go back to mindset. So you've got past, you've got present, you've got future. It's how you feel about the past, how you feel about the present and the future and the behaviors you engage in. Now, in order for us to find out what is it in the past that we have that empowers us or disempowers us, believe it or not, we actually have to list it. We have to literally write down every single negative experience we had in the past in chronological order. Wait, what? You mean we literally got to sit and write? Yeah. This isn't, you know, you can listen to this and get it intellectually, right? We can do it. No problem. I mean, you're smart. It's easy to do. And is that really why you're listening to it? Or are you listening to it because you want to make that change? In other words, you want to make your life better. And I would, I would presuppose or I would, I would sort of show for your approval or your acceptance that really one of the things that makes us happiest as human beings is actually getting better. It's progressing, right? Think about like I was a big, big martial arts fan. Huge, right? I spent most of my life you know, first I did karate, got a black belt, and then I started doing JKD, Kali, Eskrima, Penjusalat, Muay Thai, Samad, you know, Shuto Wrestling, Great Jiu-Jitsu, all of these arts because I just loved getting better. Now, the idea of being able to defend myself was awesome, and I did a couple of fights, and it was great. I had, you know, I won. It was fun. It was the idea, though, that I could get better that really motivated me to it. And then when I got involved in business, I stopped doing as much martial arts because the idea that I could get better in business – the idea that I could be more persuasive, the idea that I could achieve my goals and my plans, the idea that I could earn more money, the idea that I could get better is really what drove me to love and understand business as much as I could. And it wasn't a, a sort of an academic understanding. I wanted to understand the principles that worked so that I can then apply them to get the results because otherwise, what's the point? Just like in martial arts, right? You know, I didn't care about, you know, belts, although the only system I had, well, there's two systems I took with belts, but I just wanted to beat people up. I wanted to be really good. When we sparred, I wanted to be better than you. I wanted to be better than whoever was in front of me. Now, it wasn't always the case, right? Because, you know, you can't, we can't all be Bruce Lee's. Uh, but yeah, but I want, but it was that progress of moving forward that really made me want to do it. Business is no different. So in order for you to increase your ability to do things and be happier, and be excited, you're going to have to make a conscious effort, or you're going to have to choose to make a conscious effort. So the way we look at it is we look at the past and say, okay, what exactly is in our past that we may or may not realize holds us back? Because believe it or not, up until about age seven, we're all learning at a really rapid rate, sort of in a, in a, in a major trance. And when we learn something, it affects our subconscious mind. And when it goes into the subconscious mind, it becomes a truism or a belief for us, and then we behave accordingly. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. And we'll do it primarily by modeling or things that somebody told us. Make sense? So when we look at the past, for example, I equated making money with my dad's love. My mom and dad were divorced. So my mom told my dad, oh sorry, my mom told me that my dad didn't love me because 
he didn't send us money. Now we moved from Caracas, Venezuela to the US in 1977. And, you know, my mom and dad were divorced when I was three or four years old. And my dad had kidnapped my brother and I for like six months, you know, or three months. Very mm -hmm. interesting, right? But how do you think that affects me? So here I am, right, as a young child moving into the US. My mom keeps complaining about my dad not loving us because he doesn't send us money. So now I could have interpreted that belief in a bunch of different ways. But I interpreted the belief to be that the only way to get my mom's love was to make a lot of money. Now, you would say, that's a super empowering belief. What a wonderful thing to have. It could be, and it was. But it also wasn't a positive belief because that means that the only way I could get my mom's love was by making a lot of money. So I proceeded since a little kid to be an entrepreneur and try to make money and be driven. And I can tell you, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I've always been driven this and the other and I could tell, you know, myself and pound on my chest and get all excited and, you know, feel big about myself. The truth of the matter is I don't know. But I do know that that belief, right, that I adopted because I was in hypnotic trance at the time didn't serve me exclusively in a beneficial way. Once I realized that that belief was something that drove me, I immediately began to work on it to change to a more empowering belief, right, through a bunch of different techniques, you know, hypnosis, NLP, you know, EFT, Havening, right, CBT, it didn't matter, right, well, just whatever it took to get that belief to change. And once I changed that belief, guess what happened? I felt more free. And what happens is every belief that we have that's negative, not positive, but negative, it's like you're carrying around a chain tied to an anvil. So imagine if you had a hundred chains or a thousand chains, and by the way, usually, usually my experience, it's no more than about a hundred beliefs give or take 20 or 30. So 80 to 120. And generally, generally is about 20 or so beliefs that are the linchpins that if you begin to eradicate those, the rest just fall by the wayside. So we walk around with these beliefs, right, that are somewhat negative or hold us back. They provide fear. Remember, the, the fear is in the amygdala, right? The reptilian brain. Fear is this uncontrollable thing that's meant to make us fight or flight. So when we're afraid of something, we don't take action necessarily. Sometimes we do, but generally we don't take action, at least not a positive action. So we've got these beliefs that cause us fear. So they stop us from believing or accepting positive things as true. And also we end up looking back and going, gee, you know, it didn't work out that time or I believe this, therefore I'm not going to make a positive change in my life because you have these chains attached to these anvils. So what we need to do in order to really start correcting our mindset in the right way is look at those anvils, look at those chains and cut them off so that eventually you have no more chains, no more anchors holding you back. And then by doing that, you can now really make a positive impact into where you want to go in the future. Does that make sense? In other words, Everybody focuses on, you know, hey, what do you want? Set a goal. What's the outcome? And those are valuable, super, super valuable. But they're completely irrelevant or useless unless we can unhook from this past, you know, memories, beliefs, traumas, whatever you want to label it, just something that doesn't serve you. So the first step in setting the proper mindset is looking at the past and looking at the beliefs by writing them down. And then we go through them one by one to eliminate them or to modify them or to change them so that they no longer hold you back from doing something positive. And that takes a while, by the way. It's not an easy thing. Remember, 
you want to get good at something, you're going to have to put forth effort and desire and passion to make this happen. So make a list of 100 and then you put them in chronological order. And using the earlier beliefs that are negative or the earlier traumas or the earlier experiences, not always, but usually, for at least 80% of the time, once you pluck them out or you change them or you depotentiate them, the majority of the other beliefs start to become not as important. And then you feel this sense of relief. You feel lighter, happier. Your eyesight gets better. You know, you, you see more colors. I mean, life just because there's, there's the past isn't present anymore. When the past is always present, and if the past is negative, you're living in a cloud. You're living in this fog. Once that's gone, man, I'm telling you, that alone will have such an impact in your mindset because you will now see things as they really are and as you want them to be, not as you thought they were based on negative beliefs and, and negative um, associations. So we, we pluck those guys out, man, get them rid of them. And then we go, okay, what's now true in the present? Now, the other aspect is that we all are living lives, most of us anyway, with things that are currently present that aren't necessarily things we love. Now, they could be little dinky things like you may not like your car. You may not like where you live. You may not like your job. You may not like your income. You may not like your significant other. You may not like the food that's being served, you know, the furniture, I mean, you know, the house, the way somebody treats you. So we make a list of all the things of what, what is present today, right now, that you simply do not like or that annoys you. And we make a list, and usually it's about 50 things, sometimes more, sometimes less, but it's usually about 50. Now, why is it important? Because it gives us control, right? The two things that we all human beings want is to feel safe and cared for and to have control. So we eliminate the past memories and traumas and negative beliefs so we start to feel more safe. We start to deal with the present situation so we can get more control of our lives. You see that? They're following the, the, the pattern, right? Perfect. So then as we look at the present, we make a list. Okay, what can I, what do I not like? What annoys me? And it does not matter how minuscule or how big it is. You just write it down. And no sense in chronological, you know, putting them in chronological order. Just list them all. Boom, 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 right? And now what are we going to do? After you've listed them, and by the way, now this takes days. And as we get rid of the stuff in the past, by the way, I'll give you an exercise or you can reach out to me or whatever that you'll spend five, 10 minutes a day. That's it. Just five or 10 minutes a day to begin to eliminate the connection to those bad memories or traumas or negative beliefs. So we do that five, 10 minutes a day. Then on the present, we simply look at everything and we say, okay, what is the one thing that if I was able to change would have the greatest impact on my ability to be happy and more productive? And we make that a project. We just go work on changing that, right? Whatever it may be. It could be, you know, you don't like your refrigerator. You want a new fridge. Boom, we make that a project. It could be you don't like your relationship. We make that a project. It could be you don't like where you live. You don't like your job, your income. It doesn't matter. What can you control? Now, if you can't control it, there's no sense in, in doing a project about it, right? We leave it there. We leave it on the list because we're going to refer back to the list to continue to improve our mindset. However, if you can do something about it, you pick the one that you believe will have the most emotional payback for you and or the greatest financial payback, whatever you want to classify it as. And then we go, okay, that we're going to work on and make a project. And then when we get done with that one, let's say you wanted a new fridge, boom, new fridge, cross that off the list. What's next? What begins to happen inside your noggin, right, is you begin to create these amazing chemicals. First of all, by getting rid of the past, you start to eliminate cortisol and norepinephrine and endorphins in a negative way, right? You start to eliminate all these negative chemicals. 
<sighs> so you start to feel more free, more in control, happier, more calm, right? All these wonderful emotions. You start to change the chemistry, which then opens up your brain to be more creative. You know, there's a, a, a research that says that 31%, you'll do a 31% better job if you're happier than if you're not. You use 31% more intelligence when you're happier than when you're not. So we're going to increase our IQ and our EQ by beginning to eliminate these, mem you know, bad memories, right? Or bad beliefs, because it's all the same, really, if you think about it. So then we go, cool, now we're doing that. We're getting this freedom. Now we start looking at the present and we go, now I'm in control of my life. So now you're telling your brain, hey, these things are no longer holding me back, which is key, by the way, because the greatest impact you can make on your future is to not be held back. It isn't the pull of the future, although they can unhook the chains, and sometimes it often does. It's the unhooking of the chains of the past. By doing that, you can have the greatest shift in a positive mindset. And then when you start working on the present, now you start to feel that you're in control of your life. And the minute that you start to feel in control of your life, your motivation goes up. Your positive chemistry in the brain begins to be, you know, every day, right? You sort of get this positive reinforcement every day. Now you're telling your mind, I am in control. I can do what I want. I can change the things that I'm not happy with. Man, I'm just that alone is going to shift your mindset to a super powerful and happier one. Now, you won't be perfect. You won't eliminate all the problems in your life because life has problems, and thank God they do, because those are wonderful things to make us better, stronger, and wiser. What will happen is you'll feel more in control. And some days are worse than others, and you're still human. But if you were to classify yourself in terms of happiness and success at you know the beginning of this process, at a level five and five, you will at least be at a level seven or eight just by doing these two things. And then we look at the, what's the third aspect of mindset. Well, here's where everybody wants to live, but you got to get here as a third step, not the first step, which is the future. Now, look, the future isn't about goals. It is not about a destination. It isn't even about direction exclusively. It's about setting an intended vision of what you want your ideal life to be and then moving towards that vision. And as you move towards that vision, you may realize you see things to your left or to your right that you go, oh, that's a better vision. So you'll make a left or a right and that will happen continuously. I'll give an example. So I wanna set out to go and live on the beach, right? So my wife and I are gonna be empty nesters here in a couple of years and then we're gonna buy a beach house. And I think I want it in Florida and Manipalan Island you know, or someplace like that. And I have this vision of this house and, you know, the big bad, sort of the big backyard with all the sand. We're right, right on the ocean. We're right on the ocean, right? We're literally right on the ocean. So we open our door and, and there's like a little like, uh, you know, uh, paved way or a little cement, a little pool and then grass and then sand right in the houses, you know, six, 7,000 square feet and, you know, two stories with my library and all this cool stuff, right? So that's our vision in terms of that, in terms of that outcome. And my wife and I go, oh, it's going to be great. Now, what happened? We had an, uh, uh, an event happen a couple of weeks ago that made us rethink some things. And my wife said to me something she'd never said before. She said, you know, baby, I think I'm okay buying a townhouse on the beach where we can lock it and leave it so we can travel more. She goes, maybe this whole upkeep thing is just not something I want anymore. So she went from thinking about this house with this beautiful backyard and the sand and the ocean and all this stuff, right? To being okay with living in a townhouse. And we've rented a townhouse in a certain part of Florida that's just ideal, right? I would love to buy it. 
you know, it's only a couple million bucks, whatever. Easy peasy. We'd love to buy it. So she now in her mind is thinking, gee, you know, maybe that's what I want. And I'm like, great. Now, we wouldn't have accepted that to be true had we set a goal and be tied to that goal as a, as a fixed post on the ground and said, hey, you know what? We want that house. I'm going to get that house, which is why when people achieve their goals, they're so unhappy. Because it's not that the journey is more important than the destination. It's that they wanted to turn right or left during the journey, but they didn't because they were so tied to that goal. Instead, when you have a vision, it allows your mind to move towards something with the open possibility that there could be something better or that it could change. And that when it does change and something better does show up, you're giving yourself permission to go, ah, that's even better now. I'm going to go this direction. And if it happens again, you keep doing it. That's really genuinely true happiness. That's flexibility with commitment. You're committed because that's the vision you want. And yet you're flexible enough to make a turn to the right or to the left or to speed up or slow down or whatever the case may be. So now we have this vision, right, that changed from this big, beautiful house on the sand, on the beach to what could be a beautiful, you know, townhouse or whatever, right, without having the upkeep where we just, you know, go downstairs and there's a community pool and, you know, we're on the ocean, all the things that we want. And yet it's not driven by the exact same picture, but it's a different picture, but it's the same vision. Does that make sense? So as you start to work on your vision for the future, it's really about what is the vision? What does the picture look like? See, goals are things that we can have along the way to achieve our visions, whatever that may be. And goals come and go. Don't make goals the end-all be-all. You make your vision the end-all be-all with the ability to commit to the flexibility that it can and will change as you move towards it. So now you've got this amazing mindset which continues to get better, continues to evolve, continues to move forward, continues to eliminate, right? Because you're going to have negative experience in one day or or a week or a month that are going to become a past once the experience happens. So we got to keep getting rid of these negative experience. We've got to keep focusing on the things that we don't like in the present while we work towards the future vision that we have or that we're holding in our mind. Does that make sense? Now, I uncovered this, you know, the very first time that I took a client on, I had just gone through this major traumatic event where I lost everything, well, virtually everything, right? I mean, you know, I was, I went from making a quarter million dollars a month to being negative a quarter million dollars a month. And that's a half a million dollar per month swing. And it happened literally in less than 90 days. And unfortunately, instead of stopping the bleeding and focusing on what we now know and we teach in terms of strategy, team building and and mindset and sales, I just, my ego was too weak. And I couldn't admit to the fact that I had made some decisions which had cost me virtually everything. So I just kept feeding the beast to keep up appearances. Finally, I just had no choice because I ran out of money. Had to shut the office down. Everybody had left. They stole accounts. It was a horrible, horrible moment, or so I thought. So then finally, I thought, okay, great. You know, I'm done. Screw this. I don't ever want to be a business again. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. You know, I'm going to work at McDonald's. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, li- I'm not being facetious. I'm literally having this internal dialogue in myself, right? I downsized as much as I could. Luckily, we saved the house and the cars. But, you know, all of the expenses and everything else started to go away. And... I just, I sucked my thumb for, I don't know, a couple of years. So it wasn't like I went from, you know, hero to zero to hero overnight. I literally was a, it was a quick, painful crash. I think about like 12 months. 
And then about two or three years of just me sucking my thumb, rocking myself to sleep in the corner, questioning, was it a fluke? Was I lucky? You know, you just, all these doubts. And then one day I had this realization that I, I looked at my library of, of books and CDs and seminars and all the stuff that I'd read, all stuff that I'd done, and stuff that I'd uncovered and, and learned and stuff. And I realized I no longer believe those things to be true. That was an epiphany for me. Like I, I had accepted these certain things to be true in my world. But after the crash and burn, I no longer believed them to be true. Now, whether they were or were not true was irrelevant. It's what I believed about it that made a big difference because that drove my behavior. So I thought, well, why don't I look back and see, you know, was there a set of beliefs or more importantly, a set of behaviors that I engaged in at a time when I was becoming successful? And then did I change that at a different time when I was not becoming successful? What is the delta? What is the difference? So I spent several months rewriting the list and writing the list and writing the list and, you know, reviewing my books and my journals. I've been keeping journals since I was uh, 21 years old. So reviewing my journals and looking at the list. And I just kept, you know, what is the difference? What is the delta? What is the difference? What is the delta? And I started to write them down. And, and sure enough, I could see certain patterns. I believed this and then I didn't believe this. I believed this instead. Because, see, a belief doesn't just get eradicated. It gets supplemented by something else. So I believed something at that time that I thought was powerful and positive, and then I stopped believing it and instead believed something different. Does that make sense? So I had a, I had a previous belief that no longer fixed or no longer worked for me because of the experience I went through, you know, the past, and added a, a belief that was disempowering. So I went from an empowering belief that helped me to a belief that said, not only is that not true, this is the new belief, right? So I'll give an example. So I always believed that personal growth and development led to wealth and happiness. So the more you work on yourself, the more you can be happy and the more you can be successful. That was sort of my belief, right? I believe that to be true. Like, okay, this is my belief. You know, if you work on yourself, you can become happy and successful. And then when it crashed and burned, I believe it wasn't the case. I believe, and I even told the guy who was a billionaire that I was at one time coaching, but that's a different story. But I told him, I said, you know, I, in retrospect, I wish I hadn't read all those books and attended all those classes and listened to all those CDs and tapes in my time because they don't, they don't add up to anything. And he smiled and said, yeah, I agree with you. Personal growth is all BS. So I went from personal growth helps us become happier and successful to it doesn't work. People just get lucky. Now, think about the difference between those two beliefs. If it's true that personal growth and development really do allow us to become happier and wealthier, then I'm in control. And if I engage in getting myself to be better, smarter, stronger, and I got that trio from Jim Rohn, if I engage in becoming better, stronger, wiser, then I have the destiny in my hands. I control my destiny, not circumstances or events. But if I believe that that is not only not true, but that it's just lucky, then I, don't, I feel like a victim. I'm no longer master and commander, right? I'm no longer in control. I'm now so, simply just, you know, gee, I was just lucky that I made all that, those millions of dollars in the beginning. And gee, it's bad luck that I lost it all. So I realized, well, what did each belief get me, right? Because I didn't want to, I wasn't going to fight for a belief if it wasn't serving me. So I thought, okay, well, what, what did I believe? And then I, well, when I believed this, here are the things that I, the behaviors I engaged in. And then I thought, well, did those behaviors give me results? And in some cases they did not, but in most cases they did. And I thought, okay, well, what about this new belief? that it's all BS and that, <clears throat> i.e. belief systems, that it's all baloney 
and that we really do have this uh, this luck factor, right? Like we're just lucky or unlucky. And I thought, well, here's the behavior that I engaged in and here's how I felt about it. And boy, was I in for a rude awakening. Not only, not only was I broke, right, and destitute, I was really unhappy. So I thought, what if I go back and believe it again? You know, what if it really is true? What if the more I work on myself in terms of personal growth and development, the happier and wealthier I get? What if that's true? Right. And what happens is I started asking myself the what if question because it's more gentle to adopt a belief on what if than it is to say, I'm going to believe that now. So I thought, okay, well, if I believe that, maybe I would have more money and be happier. I thought, okay, cool. So I'm going to work on that. And then I thought, wait, hold on a second. I don't have to accept this belief as true exclusively. What I could do is I could act as if. And I thought, whoa, what does that mean, act as if? I thought, well, I could try on the belief, right? Put it on like a suit or a dress. Well, not for me, but, you know, for you ladies listening. Put it on the suit, right, or a dress for ladies and see, do I like this? If I like it, I'll keep it. If I don't like it, I won't keep it. And, man, that's when I had the epiphany on the act as if model. I thought, that I could do that. That's great. I can act as if because I'm not committed to it, right? I can always change it. Or discard it because I was still afraid that I was going to get hurt like I did the first time I lost my first fortune and got betrayed by a bunch of employees, right? That still feared me. And I started to write down, okay, well, here are the beliefs. And then I thought, well, some beliefs, even though I acted as if, I still had them. I was like, man, you know what? I'm acting as if I'm not going to get betrayed again. I'm acting as if people are generally good, but I just, I don't believe it. Right? Like I'm acting as if, but there's just something holding me back. And this is when I had the epiphany. I thought, oh, you know what? I really have an emotional connection to that previous belief. And unfortunately for me, I can't use my neocortex, my thinking brain. I got to find a way to depotentiate it. So I started researching. I've already been a master practitioner in NLP, but NLP wasn't working for me. So I eventually found EFT and havening and massage therapy and all these other things, right, that I knew I needed to use something different. So I started to use psychosensory therapies to eliminate them. And man, that worked like a charm. That was the most powerful thing I could do to eliminate those beliefs, I just couldn't. Remember, I'm doing this by myself, right? I just couldn't get them done. So as I began to do the mindset, I began to feel happier, be happier, engage in behaviors. And by the way, when we're talking about behaviors, I don't just mean a physical behavior. I mean mental behavior. I'll give an example. You ever walk into a place and notice there's somebody there who's just radiating happiness? Like you haven't talked to them yet, but they're smiling, they're happy, they're excited, you look at them and you go, that person's really happy. You ever have any experience like that? Or maybe you're that person, right? Or you walk into the room and there's somebody that's the negative person. They haven't said anything, but you just feel this negative energy, right? Like, ugh, yuck. Well, there's a biological chemistry that occurs inside our brain and our neuromurons pick that up, right? This is what Napoleon Hill talked about in terms of, you know, your brain is like a, like a sending and receiving station. It's so funny because he was so ahead of his time, literally, when he wrote this book in 1937, that we're just now in 2018 catching up with the science to validate all the things he knew to be true just by being an observant individual, right? And, and having a knack for this kind of stuff. So the behaviors, yeah, what you do physically, but it's also your, your mindset, i.e. what you accept to be true. <clears throat> if I accept to be true that everybody in the world is gonna be happy and is gonna love me, and then I can make people happy and make them love me, and then I'm a master of my destiny, I'm going to walk into a place feeling different 
and you're going to feel different about me. And my, my, my vibrations in my mind are going to send out all of these amazing vibrations that are going to be picked up by everybody else. Not just in my vicinity, but you know, all over the world. Now, you can tell me that's baloney. You can put marks. You had me until this point in time, and now you've lost me. Okay, cool. What's your belief about that? See? Isn't it better to look at the belief and go, man, is that belief a good belief or a bad belief? You know, my good friend Tony used to tell me that he, when he used to walk into a, uh, a, a seminar and there was an audience or any room, he would immediately just feel, full, fill, fill the room with his energy. Like he believed in his mind, he could see himself filling the room with his energy. I mean, he's pretty successful, right? In terms of what he does for a living and all kinds of cool stuff, right? So what a great belief, what a great behavior set. So I began to change my belief system, my mindset, by accepting some things as true in my mind so that I could tell myself, hey, you know, think this way, right? Imagine these things, talk to myself this way. And then I began to physically move differently. I don't just mean that I walked differently, although I'm sure that was true. I mean, picking up the phone and, you know, using different tonality, inflection, rhythm, cadence, tone <clears throat> when making a sale, right? You know, showing up to a meeting in different capacity, reading books, listening to tapes, all of this stuff I began to engage in. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so as I did that, what happened? Well, nothing, right? I didn't go back to riches overnight. But over time, I noticed myself getting happier. Things bothered me less. I felt more free. I felt more in control. And then money started coming in out of the most weirdest places. Like I would pursue a client because I had to start from scratch, right? So I'm on the phone chasing a client, looking for the no. Because remember in sales, we don't ever look for the yes, we always look for the no. Looking for the no. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, out of the, out of the blue sky, a big account would show up. Either one that just came to us for whatever reason or, you know, we reached but didn't pursue. Who knew, right? But my vision of being back on top and rebuilding my business in a way that it was not the same way that I built it the first time, right? I wanted a very different business because I wanted to protect myself against the same mistakes I made originally. So this vision of my business began to come true for me because of my belief system, my mindset. So sure enough, we go from zero to hero to zero to hero again. And in that process, right, I get this guy who's a buddy of mine and says, hey man, I didn't think you were gonna make it. I did not think you were gonna survive. I thought for sure you were gonna get uh, completely you know, decimated and beat up and whatever the case may be and never come back from despondency and despair and, and being broke. And I was like, well, thank God you were wrong, buddy. And he goes, hey, man, I'm having some troubles in my business. And it turns out he was having troubles in his entire life, by the way, because, you know, everything affects everything else, was said to me by Jim Rohn. And I thought, hey, man, no problem. I can help. And he goes, I'll pay you $10,000 a month. Now, he could barely afford to pay me 10000 I mean, let me be clear. It wasn't like he was making a million dollars a year. I think he was making a quarter mil, to be exact. And so he was going to give me almost half of his salary. But he wanted what I had. He wanted me to share whatever my secret sauce had been with him. He wanted me to go, okay, great. Let's do it, right? Let's walk together. I said, okay. I said, look, you don't have to pay me, bud. He goes, no, no, I'm going to pay you. I said, I don't know. And he goes, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to pay you because if I don't pay you, I won't do it and you won't take it seriously. I said, okay. And he goes, I'll even do better. I'll pay the 10000 a month and I'll give you a percentage of the increase in my business to incentivize you. And I said, you know, my wife looked at me because she heard the call. And she gave me that look like, you better take it. I was like, okay, done. And it's small. It's, it, he's still with me, by the way. It's about 2.5% and then 3% later. Anyway, I said, okay, great. 
So by this time, I had figured out the strategy. I had figured out how to build the right team. I figured out, you know, I've always been great at sales since I started selling back in my, you know, 20, when I was 24 years old. So I had all these things figured out. We started working on strategy. We started working on his, building his team. And we started working on sales. And I coached him. And I mean, I spent a lot of time with this guy. And for 12 months, I poured my heart and soul. I gave him everything I had in terms of strategy, in terms of team building, and in terms of sales. I gave it all, man. And his life after 12 months was exactly the same. We didn't change one aspect. His income, the same. His unhappiness, the same. Nothing had changed. And I was like, OMG. I, like, I couldn't figure out. I was scratching my head. I couldn't figure out. In the meantime, I'm getting happier. My business is growing. My life is turning around. You know, my wife is happier. My kids are happier. You know, I mean, not without challenges, obviously, right? But we're getting better. So I'm like, wait a minute, man. You know, I, here, I'm continuing to move in the right direction and things are working for me. And I'm sharing the exact same thing with you in terms of strategy, team building, and sales. Why on God's earth isn't this working? And I said, look, bud, just stop paying me. Just, you know, I, I, obviously I'm not good at this. Like, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, I got lucky. There's that belief again, right? You know, maybe I'm really not a good coach. Maybe I'm just, or maybe I'm sort of a one-man show. I don't know. And he says, and I'm, I'm, for this, I'm grateful for what he said to me, he says, I have faith that you will figure it out. I believe in you. I want to do what you're doing. And he, he said, I want to be like you, but you know, what he really meant was I want to do what you're doing. So I thought, man, I'm going to figure this out. So I thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and went back to the very, very beginning, which is what did I do in the very, very beginning? Forget all the cool stuff I figured out now. Where was I in the beginning? What if I treated him as if he was me and he was broke and destitute and unhappy and about to lose even more of what he already lost. Because he wasn't. Remember, he's making a quarter mil, which wasn't a lot, you know, um, at the time. Well, I guess it is a lot. But anyway, so, you know, but really it's not a lot, right? Because we want to set high expectations. So he was giving me almost half his income, right? And I thought, well, what if I treated him that way? And then I went, oh, I remember what I did. I did all my journaling for all these belief systems at the time. And I had not classified as mindset at the time. I just knew I had to clear my you know, my belief system is really what it was at the time. I thought, what if I run him through this process? What if I just go, okay, let's go to the very, very beginning. Forget all the business stuff. Forget all the strategy, team building stuff. Forget all that. Like, like, eh, whatever, right? <clears throat> let's focus on this, this whole thing about belief system. And sure enough, right, I started to go through the process. And man, oh man, as he listed his beliefs with me and traumatic experiences and whatever and shared them, you could tell exactly why things weren't working. I mean, like, no matter how much we try to employ about team building, for example, he had a belief that said people are stupid. He's always the smartest one in the room. Therefore, he's going to micromanage, right? You can see this already. He's going to micromanage. He's going to hire stupid people because his brain doesn't want to make him wrong. He's not going to hire a smart guy or a smart gal because his brain will go, see, you're wrong about the belief system. So he hired wrong. He micromanaged. And he did everything himself. OMG. So we went back to, well, what, what's the root of that belief? Where did you pick that up? And he got it from his dad, who had to be exactly the same way. So we started to do some techniques until the, it didn't have an emotional effect on him. And then we, we installed the new, more empowering belief, right? One that says that I attract smarter people that do a better job than I do in their responsibilities. And I'm a, a people magnet. And man, that just changed everything for him. And then we went down the list of a bunch of other beliefs that he had that were negative, And we started plucking them out 10 minutes a day, five, 10 minutes a day. And we did the present and the future. And what do you think happened in the next 12 months? 
Did he double his income and double his time off like all the books tell us? No, he did not. He quadrupled his income. He made over a million dollars in previous 12 months. It was like, it was like, it was like, like he had been chained to the wall and we let him go and he just ran. I mean, it was insane to see what he was doing. That his attitude changed, what he did change, everything around him began to change. I earned my, you know, 10,000 a month plus some, right? Because of the extra 2.5% of the increase profits. And more importantly, he kept on growing. And what happened to his time off? Nothing. He worked the same. He just became four times as <clears throat> productive. Now, also, you know, we did a lot of other stuff with GTD and the 20 principle. And there's a lot more to this, right, than just what we're talking about. But in terms of the mindset, he had a significantly better outcome when we began to work first on the mindset before the strategy, before the team building, before the sales, if that makes sense. I mean, you get it, right? In the sense that if you don't work on changing those things, very few of the things you'll implement are going to work. This, you know, In sales, I've always called this, before even knowing what it really was, the mental thermostat. In the sense that you know, if I hired a sales guy back in the early days or a sales gal back in the early days, I would find, you know, they, they would try to make money and they hit a certain level, 3,000 a month, 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000, whatever. And then they would get stuck. And no matter what I did, no matter what they did, they wouldn't bypass that level. I call that the mental thermostat. And you've heard this a thousand times. You know, the thermostat, as you said, the lever at, you know, 65 degrees. And if it gets hotter than 65, the AC turns on. If it gets lower than 65, the heater turns on. So mental thermostat in terms of income is, you believe, there's a belief again for the mindset, you're worth X number of dollars. And so no matter what you do, you're going to get stuck at that. I had given, like I had reps that had left and we had these databases, right? So I give the database to somebody, okay, well, you're making 5,000 a month. I'm going to give you an extra 2,000 a month uh, income for you. So your income next month should be 7,000. But what would happen? What do you think happened? You're super smart. You guessed it. They beat the 5,000. And I was like, ugh. So my, my biggest job at the time of growing my company the first time wasn't teaching and training sales, even though I did a lot of that. It was changing the mental thermostat, which is why I got to the impetus to look at my life after I had crashed and thought, well, you know, where, where is my thermostat now? So it's changing the mental thermostat. Once we changed the mental thermostat, then their income would go up. So it was always this constant battle to push that thermostat up, which really was about changing beliefs and eliminating disempowering beliefs. Now, look, there are beliefs you can change pretty easily, right? Because there's not a much emotional connection to it. There's no fear-based belief. It's just something you accept to be true. And then when you realize it isn't true, something else is true, you have that belief, that shift in belief. Example, right now the trend is high fat, protein, veggies, where it used to be carbohydrates, no fat, and limited protein, right? So we all had a belief, at least I did, because at one point I was vegetarian. Now I try to eat, you know, more like keto. So at one point I was vegetarian because I thought, hey, you know, pasta is good, steak is bad, right? So that was my belief. Data comes out. It says, look, you know what? The, the pasta really isn't very good for you. Steak is better, grass-fed, grass-finished, you know, whatever, right? And, and, not, and I hope that you don't disagree or think in terms of, you know, if Marx is right or wrong in this. Just see as an example that it was my own personal belief that it changed. And once my belief changed, it was an easy belief to change because the data proved otherwise. There are other beliefs that are fear-based beliefs, like the one that my mom won't love me if I don't make a lot of money. There's no data that can come out to change that belief, right? 
it either is or isn't true in my mind. And because it's based in the amygdala and it was fear-based, I had to change it with more powerful tools. Does that make sense? So we want to get rid of all the beliefs. Those that are easy to change based on data and those that require more powerful tools. Once we begin to do that, you will reactivate your reticular activating system. You will see things in a different way, which is perspective, right? And therefore, you will behave and think differently, which will give you different results. It really is that simple. Now, it's not easy, and there's a lot more steps to it, but it really is that simple in the terms of, hey, you know, it's not that difficult to find out what the things holding you back are, and it's really not that difficult to change them. It does require effort. It does require that we see things in a different way, and it does require that we think. It does require that we take risks. It does require that we are bold. And it does require some form of self-love and self-acceptance. So mindset is nothing more and nothing less than a set of all the beliefs that govern your thinking and your actions. The past, the present, and the future. What are you holding to be true or what are you accepting to be true that then dictates how you feel and how you behave? And on the future, it's what are you moving towards that excites you? What's the vision you have? Not necessarily the goals, but the vision. And as you move towards that direction, you can look to the left and look to the right. And if some things show up that are more attractive, then you can make that shift. And by making that shift, you'll improve upon the things that you want. You'll improve upon the things that you end up achieving. And more importantly, you end up having commitment with flexibility, which is really critical, right? Because we want to be committed, but we want to be flexible. So I, I hope that you get to see in your mind, right, and tell yourself that you can indeed always improve your mindset and that there is a systematic approach to do so and that you can do it despite the fact that it may be at some point uncomfortable. It is not dangerous. It may be uncomfortable, but you're not going to get hurt from it. If anything, you're going to get a lot of value and benefit from it. I hope you found this to be really inspiring and educational and even more so inspirational because my job here is to inspire you to take action. I'm not worried about what I say or how I say it, obviously, right? Because if you've been listening this far, you know, I don't go on a script. I just start going and see where we go because I care for you and I want you to make the changes that you, I know you can make to make your life better by starting to change your mindset. I want to thank you deeply from my heart for listening to me. And I hope I get to meet you in person. I hope that our paths cross. Have an incredible day. And I will talk to you, I'm sure, sometime soon. Thanks in advance and have an incredible day. Bye for now.